Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to, finally, this uh, fifth episode of The Old World Lives podcast, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. I'm Christopher and with me tonight I have Niklas. Hello. And Jimmy. Hello, everyone. And tonight we are going to talk a bit about uh, 6th edition and uh, go through the basic phases. I think most of us are familiar with them, but for those who are not, there's a good chance to just get a, a group of the basics. And uh, we will also go through some of uh, some experiences so far, because uh, Niklas have been playing some games and yeah grand total of two oh that's good that's uh, two more than most of us recently i reckon but uh, we're gonna have a bit a bit of that in this episode as well but uh, let's start off with some hobby progress and uh, nicholas what have you been up to i have uh, built uh, my entire kislev army now it's all assembled and ready for painting. Uh, I posted a picture on our Instagram, so people can go and check that out. It's just called The Old World Lives. Uh, yeah, so it's like a, my entire 1500-point army. Some of it's painted, some is half-painted, some primed, but like that's, that's it. That's going to be my entire army, except for the Ice Queen, which I will, I will assemble and paint her at a later time. Because I'm just focusing on building my first round of points first. She will be your basically rounding off up to two thousand points, right? Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. So like the army is two hundred points, and then she is four hundred and ninety-five points, and she is a lord slot, so I can only use her for at least two thousand points as well. So it's going to be a nice finishing point. And really rounds uh, off a Kislev army as well. Having the queen of them all. Yeah. Also the only magician. Yeah. That's true. They, they don't have any wizards at all, do they? Nope. They, they barely have anything. They have one hero choice and that's it. Yeah, but it was probably designed to be an allied army. But we've been, talk, we've been talking about that previously. And it's a one hell of an army when it's standalone, though. Yeah, uh, I think it's gonna look really cool with all these horsemen, uh, and I hope that it's gonna be fun to play in sixth edition. I think in like eighth edition, it will be it will be lacking too much from what everyone else has. But in sixth edition, I think it's gonna stand quite alright by itself. I bet, because we've been seeing some of what you've been do- doing so far, and. Uh... The hobby, the hobby progress will just uh, kick off again now that you're home, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been away for holidays for a bit. Uh, just getting inspiration in Poland, drinking some vodka to get the creativity flowing for the Kislev army. But now I'm back and yeah, I'm so excited about painting them again. I'm going to finish off one of the horse archer units that is almost finished. And then I think I'm going to start painting my Cossars 
the infantry unit because their models are just amazing. I can't say like too many times. They're just so good. Yeah, that's true. They're they they are almost designed to be like a skirmish unit when everything is an individual, but they're not. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I think they are supposed to be like a regimented unit, but they really look like they would just like walk around in forests to shoot arrows and shit. Uh, but yeah, I think they're gonna look pretty cool when they stand next to each other as well. Yeah, they do. They really do. So, Jimmy, have you been doing anything or have you just been recovering from Plague? I've been recovering from Plague and I did start painting on some Night Goblins before I went on to restore quite a lot of my Skaven models so I could play a game of Warhammer Fantasy, which uh, everyone can see on our Facebook page where I put up some pictures from the battle. Yeah, and our Instagram. Yes, and on on our Instagram. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's been my hobby progress, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, and uh, everyone can see the mishappenings of Gnark von Finkelstein's forces facing off against the Empire led by Frolon Glickish, who is a warrior priest. And god damn, I hate knights with their fucking full plate armor. God damn. <laughs> it's I, I I really hate that. I hate one one up saves in sixth edition. I, I, I love to field units with one up save, but god damn facing uh, them. Sixth edition in particular? Yeah. Yeah. God. Well, so what when you play eighth edition when then I, when I play eighth no problem. Well no uh, there's always well big scary dangerous things to use against them and if i play skaven i can always uh, use the spell the dreaded 13th spell on them so don't you have any any of those uh what do you call it just sales the right i i I have just sales um they're quite good at taking out cavalry but when we played this game we were using the border princess campaign rules from the sixth edition rulebook and wow. I had no territories that give me skirmish units, and Giselles are supposedly skirmishers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Didn't know that. They are. So, 360, shoot out. Yeah. So, it was good for theme, but not so good yeah. for actually gaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in the end, it was a draw, and it all went down on one roll. And I fucking love when games turn out on that last single die. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the one you forgot to roll during the game, right? Yes. And uh, on our way to, to get some, well, dinner, uh, I I kind of like, whoa, I forgot to roll the, the dice for my Warped on Talisman. On a one, I die. And it took about two and a half hours before I could roll the die. <laughs> so it, it was kind of... Kind of, yeah, scary for me to to just sit there and wait and like, can't we use a digital die on the phone? No, no, no. You gotta wait until you're home, and I'm gonna <laughs> be there to witness it. That's a good thing because a, yeah. a, a, a program die doesn't work in the same way. It just uh, yeah. statistics. So yeah, exactly. So it's so, uh, it was kind of sweaty. <laughs> so what kind of this. what kind of mission do you play? 
just uh, like a line battle and just we, score victory points and kill we, and stuff. Uh, the battle was a pitch battle, so yeah, uh, victory points just kill things. Uh, we used uh, the mission list in the 6th edition rulebook. And, uh, I, I was kind of like bummed by the by the whole pitch battle scenario. I, I, I wanted something more, but uh, we, we let the dice rolls decide for us. It feels like, uh, like most of the times when I used to play fantasy, I, maybe we'll go into this later and have to play 6th edition, but Pitch battle seems like the most common battle. Like it yeah, was totally yeah. fine to just say, "Oh, let's just play a pitch battle because that's the standard battle." Yeah, and it seems to work pretty well, though. It seems it to does. be like a balanced game. Yeah, but that's be- mainly because all of these games basically have one scenario that is the the basic, most easiest one to just remember that no one will argue rules over. So it's because we have this same because all of us are playing 30k as well so yeah. it's basically the same in that game which, which yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah but then you have like six different games that have like different main objectives and there are sometimes you have objectives and sometimes you have that and sometimes you have kill points but in six edition fantasy it seems like you can have like a balanced game with any army just playing the basic mission yeah and that's one of the things that makes fantasy so fun to play. True. Yeah, yeah. Like, from all the times that I've used to play fantasy, I think we always used to play that. And I never seemed like, can we play another mission? Because this is getting boring. Because it was like, you always play a new army. And it's never, even though it's the same mission, it's never the same thing. Exactly. It, it, it's always a different deployment. So, well, not, not different deployment zones, but different kind of deploying the army. It, uh, like uh, one game, you might have your heavy cavalry in the center. Sometimes you have it on the right flank, left flank, or you deploy in a refused flank. There are so many possibilities to play th- this one, when, well, one kind of scenario. Yeah, definitely. Because like, deployment is so important in fantasy because yeah. you can't just moves things yeah. anyway. So it's, like, it's kind of set where you have your units. Like if you put yeah. something on your right right flank, then it's most probably just going to play the game on the right flank or in the middle. Yeah. It's like American football. Yeah. Like except each... fun. Yes. Ex- and except like 300 Kentucky Fried Chicken commercials. <laughs> and the, the fact that you shouldn't really touch the ball with your hands in football. <laughs> All right, this is we're gonna have to make an episode about this as well. Yeah, it's gonna be football versus American football versus Australian football. No, wait, we're a warmer podcast. So, Jimmy, how about those witch hunters you've been posting recently on Instagram? Yeah, well, uh, I'm halfway through with my witch hunter warband. Uh, nearly all my henchmen are now painted. I'm uh, halfway through with the dogs, so. I'll be posting them uh, sometime soon. And uh, I expect them to be finished within two weeks, actually. Nice. So you did manage to get some work done while, while being... Well, I'm trying to find a nice way to say plague, but not saying Cap- plague again. Cap- captured by the Great Horned Rats uh, plague uh, sensor. Let's uh, move on. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they they're really looking great. Those uh, that warband. And Thank it, you. Uh, will be fun to face them sometime, I think. Oh, they will hunt you down, and they will burn you, and call you a witch. Even they if you're can, a rat. They can, they can try. I hear uh, the bandages burn quite well. Have you done anything else? Like you're a hobby machine, and you always post pictures both on Instagram and to us. Well, I have been sculpting some fish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I haven't been so much. Time is full of fish. Yeah. Yes, the fish represents the soul of all the inhabitants. So some say. Yeah. Well, have haven't been many much progress other than this. Uh, well, I That's since I good. since yeah. What have you done so far? Yeah. Well, the the whole playing Skaven once again did start my well clan scryer love a, a tiny bit. So I uh, opened up my sealed package of a. Warp lightning cannon, so uh, I'm going to build this and mm -hmm. field it sometime once it's painted. Since every time I field my single warp lightning cannon, it runs off the battlefield. It Wait. always it always panics because <laughs> there's there's like, oh no, there's a fleeing group of rat ogres here. Oh god, we're gonna run. Which uh, warp lightning cannon did you get? The new one or the old one? Or really the old one. one. So I'm, the, the old one. So I'm gonna use two of the old ones. They're really nice, nice looking. Yeah, I love that mini. So they, nice. they, they, even though the new kit, that's the dual kit with the play claw, looks good, the old one looks a lot better. Oh, yeah. And it's it also classic. Yeah, it is. And it also have that, like, long, what should I say, binocular thingy? Uh, the all-seeing yeah. eye of the warp lightning cannon that makes you able to see through terrain so it can shoot through anything that is not solid rock. Yeah. Well, it does basically fire a bolt of warp yeah. lightning. Yeah. So it Probably really causes, like, causes <laughs> instant brain tumor in anyone who uses it. Yeah. Probably. But they're, they're rats. They don't, they're used experiments. Yeah. And, so and, basically, there's, should... and there's always a new rat to take the other one's place. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So... So shitload of progress. I mean, you. Yeah. You're keeping it going. Yeah, you really should yeah. have. Gone, you really should have gone last. Now my progress will seem pitiful. <laughs> so what are you doing, Christopher? I've mostly painted one rat. And that's a hell of a rat. Yeah, uh, he still needs some uh, blending on uh, the cloth. I haven't really got that got to that point yet. But uh, it's this is the little rat on uh, the barrel that's been previewed on our Instagram, and he is the rat familiar for my well, Clown Pestilence Mordheim Warband because curse you, Jimmy. <laughs> Man, Christopher, you're such a hobby butterfly. Uh, I, I started painting dark elves, and then I realized I haven't really hobbied for four months, and I needed something to. Practice my painting skills again again, and I chose to more more about. That's basically it. I still hold hold the dream of a fully painted Slayer Cult army. My heart. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's right there within his grasp. It's, it, it's it, so it, 
it might be done at the same time as a certain chaos dwarf for me. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, that's a challenge. Ooh, you heard it here, folks. Yep. You heard it here first. Uh, and a good thing with my dark hills is that they are mostly painted for these that add like two Reaper Bolt Rovers to, to them and some Corsairs, and it's a fully fledged army again. So I feel like better take the time getting the skills back and then uh, try to do a proper job with the new, new stuff. Problem with that is I will do a lot better because it's been like 15 years since I painted a dark hills before. And yeah. all of those, the old ones will just look just edging closer and closer to uh, getting the paint stripper. Yeah, that's that's the worst. Like when you have old painted stuff. Yeah, I I, I had that for my like dwarf army that I way back. It's like my first army. So some units were just total dark shit, and then you had some nice looking ones, and then some like recent ones that you you were actually happy with, and then like every time you were gonna use it, you're just like, oh fuck, oh, I need to repaint these, and just like endless, <laughs> like you just feel bad over it. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I get how we feel. Yeah, and then you see the guy that you painted that you once was really proud of, and now you're just picking up, look at him, and realizes that his eyes, the white of his eyes, is basically as big as the entire eye socket. And there's a <laughs> dot, dot the size of the eye in the middle. <laughs> and you were really, really proud of that one. Yeah. one, one time. It's yeah. a really, really <laughs> proud moment. I kind of feel the same about Muscaven. Uh, when I do start painting new things for them, I know I'm going eventually going to paint strip everything piece by piece and paint up new ones. And well, uh, I, I gotta say your yeah. skins still look like they're still like good tabletop. Yeah, and they're fucking rats. There's so they're many of them. Like, you're not even gonna notice it. You can I'm, be like, I'm gonna paint a grittier kind of paint paint scheme on them. Just yeah, put grittier. a load of uh, weathering on top of them, so you don't really need to repaint them. You just get them grittier. Hmm. Yeah, I've been Good. playing a lot with rust. Yeah, because you could just update the yeah. model itself. You don't really have to strip it if it's just the gritty. Yeah, you true. Want. I'm gonna try it out. I'm gonna try it out. You did see the blade I did for Little Rat, right? Yeah. You could go if you want rust to go go that way and just uh, get the proper rusting effects. Whatever you call them. I'm going to give it a try. All right. Is that our hobby progress? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I was going to mention we... that we had actually had, did have a game day planned this past weekend, but uh, basically life got in the way. And uh, the, for many reasons, it just didn't take place. But we're going to try to get another day sooner rather than later. Hey. 33% of the guys who were going to play did play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's a win in my book. You guys are driving me insane. Like, with not deciding where to play for the, until like a week before. <laughs> and then, uh, I've been trying to get people up here for so long. Yeah, but you're so polite. All of you are too polite. I know, you I know. Tell people like Fuck. what's going to happen. Yeah. But we're going to plan something new, hopefully for next month, because there are some events in between now and then. Yeah. That you're not attending Scandals, are you, Nicholas? No, I don't think so. You will show up to BSK? Yes, I will. 
And then maybe, it's fair, fair enough not to go. Maybe to I'll bring some fantasy. Yeah, I can definitely play like the day before something. Nice. Just uh, play it in front of your co-host. Because... <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at this nice uh, little pikeman. Do you want a pikeman? So, for everyone who's wondering what the hell we're talking about, it's all of us also play 3K, if you did not know this. And these guys are attending an event in Stockholm, which I'm not going to. Then I'm going to attend another event in Borås. In Sweden. Yeah, and that the event in Borås is a proper convention, so there's more than one game system played. Yeah. And that is, what is it, like the 5th of November, something around there. Yeah, sometime early November. So, enough about that. Uh, we had, had uh, promised to talk a bit about uh, Warmer 6th edition and uh, how to. And it's going gonna to be a basic one because we might do a more fo focused effort on each of the phases later on. But we want to give uh, a little bit of, well, a bit of a how to, <laughs> so to speak. Just um, how the different phases work, the movement, shooting, and all of that. We're also going to go through where to find the rotas and FAQs for the rulebook and the army books. So, yeah, I just want to say, like, you've probably heard our previous episode where me and Krell went over the differences between 6th and 8th edition, uh, which, like, now in hindsight, maybe we should have put that after we actually went through more how to actually play 6th edition. Uh, but I just want to say, also, I've been thinking about because 6th and 8th edition seems to be like the most played versions of the game. And I've just been thinking like of the difference between those. Uh, and since we play 30k, and I think actually a lot of our listeners also play 30k, because I see like on our Instagram as well, like people post both fantasy and 30k stuff. So you're probably familiar with uh, the Centurion like house rules that uh, the Eye of Horse podcast made and it's gonna say like sixth edition fantasy is kind of like the centurion mode of fantasy compared to eighth edition this is like a bit smaller not so such big crazy units or crazy monsters but more like small scaled and small tactics based yep and we are also going to go through eighth edition at the later date because we're all interested at least those of us that haven't played it yet to check it out and Tonight is just not that night, so it's coming. I yeah, promise. Let's just uh, move on to warmer edition, basic how-to, and let's start off with uh, movement phase, perhaps. It's a good way to start. Yeah, and just one more thing: if you got the reference sheets for warmer sixth edition, where you can look at them because we are going to follow them while we talk about this, just for ease of reference. Maybe should we start with deployment quickly? How you deploy? Uh, you just like you roll up the mission and then you place one unit at a time, right? Then you have to place all your war machines at the same time. Like if you had like six infantry units and three cannons, then you can place one infantry unit at a time. But then you have to place when you say I want to place a cannon, then you have to place all three cannons at the same time, but anywhere you want in your deployment zone. And then after you deployed all your units, you deploy your characters, and that's about it, right? Yeah, uh, and not to forget about scouts. If a unit have the scout rule, they can put up anywhere on the battlefield after both sides have deployed. 
outside 10 inches from the enemy and outside line of sight. And this is not counting certain magic items that do exist in the game. Just want to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So now, after you're deployed, you start the battle, you start moving. Yes, and uh, in the movement phase, it's uh, you have five things to do. Step one is declare your charges, where you indicate units, or well, you you nominate units who will charge other enemy units. And uh, to charge a unit, you move them twice their distance, but you don't move them just yet. Before you can move twice a charger, their, their move distance. Yeah. And value. Yeah. And before you can move a charger, the enemy gets to do a charge response, which is uh, stand and shoot. So if they have a shooting weapon, a bow or a sling or whatever, they get to fire this said weapon with a minus one to hit. And this is if the enemy unit charging is outside their base movement, I think. Yep. Yeah. So if correct. you have a, like a cavalry unit has move eight and you want to charge a shooting unit and you're standing at 12 inches away, so your charge distance is twice your movement, so it's 16. But you're outside of your basic move, which is eight, so the enemy unit gets to fire. Yeah. But if you were standing like seven inches, away from the shooting unit, then they won't get to fire. Exactly. And uh, if you don't stand and shoot, you can shoot your action hold, where you just stand and take the charge. Yeah, which is like the basic response, what you will do if you don't have a shooting weapon. Yeah. And uh, if you don't think you will survive the charge, you can choose the reaction flee, and you move 2d6 directly away from the enemy. Or three, if you're cavalry. Or is, yeah, it doesn't have to be cavalry if you're. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, yeah. move into that in like <laughs> yeah. a minute or so. If your move is about above six, I think six or more. Yeah, let's go into that later. So, are those the three charge responses you can make? These are the short, the three responses you can make, and after you have chosen your responses you rally fleeing troops if you have any and you do not rally troops who just fled from a charger and uh, should we go into this yes uh, if a unit have at least 25% of its original number of models surviving it can rally otherwise it will keep fleeing so if you have a unit of 20 guys and you have uh, five or more left, you are, you're able to rally your fleeing troops. If you have four models or less, you cannot. Um, so there's going to be fleeing. And it's of the original number of the starting unit. Is there anything like uh, insane courage? Nope, there is not. All so right. if you're below 25% and you flee, you will flee. Yeah, because in other Warhammer games, both like other editions of Fantasy, I guess, and 30k and 40k, like if you, this is kind of the same rule, but if you roll a double one, then you automatically rally. Yeah, there are ways 
to make models who are below 25% to regroup in one way or another, but that that's like most often spells or if you're within a certain radius to get the fear, no, it's not the fearless, unbreakable special rule or something similar. But uh, yeah, that's about it. All right. So after you're rallying fleeing troops, I think it's the uh, compulsory moves, right? Yeah, that's right. And this is when you move fleeing troops or units who are obliged to move against their will, like uh, a unit who lost their stupidity test, or if you're bound by some kind of spell that makes you, a f who makes a forced move or something. Is uh, like the Skaven and Doom Wheels that a compulsory move? It is. Yeah. So stuff like that. And then yeah. after this, you have like your regular moves, All right? No, uh, then you move chargers. There oh, might, yeah, right. yeah. as uh, compulsory moves may, well, well, units who do a compulsory move may come in the way for a charging unit and this will cancel the charge. It's like if a, if a loose squig jumps in front of my night goblins who just declared a charge, my night goblins will not be able to charge because they will move into the squig and stop there. All right. <laughs> Goddamn squigs, I hate them. And that's why you're teaming an entire army around them, right? Oh, yes. I'm going to use so many squigs. <laughs> will be everywhere, literally everywhere. Um... Anyhow, after you move your chargers, you. If you fail your charge, you will move your base movement against the unit you did declare a charge against. Yeah, and if the unit you were trying to charge is not there anymore, maybe from a flea reaction, then you may redirect your charge against a unit that you could previously not attack. Indeed. Uh, yeah, then you just move into base contact uh, with the enemy that you're charging. And then we have the regular moves, right? Yes, that's right. And this is where the fun comes in. So, oh. yeah, to me, <laughs> movement is the most diff well, it, it's, it's one of the most difficult phases and the most important phases in the game. It's all about positioning. And to use this, you can use things like you can reform your unit and uh, make it wider, deeper, or uh, yeah, well, whatever. You you just reform the unit, and you can change formation. This is uh, kind of the same thing. It uh, you can increase or decrease your ranks. You can turn your unit ninety to one hundred eighty degrees by surrendering a quarter of your move and uh, you can wheel this is one of the fun things in the game uh, Nicholas do you want to talk about wheeling uh, yeah so um, you wheel is when you like you turn while you're also moving forward and it's most often used when you're if you want to march which is just moving your double distance uh, you're going to be willing. So that's, you move forward, and then you say you want to turn right. So then you kind of, 
you kind of imaginary press down on the front right corner so that point is stationary and then you turn the left corner like forward you're swinging that up to the right and then you're measuring the distance from corner to corner from left corner to where it stops and that's yeah. a wheel yeah we might be making some diagrams to show later on i think yeah, or if you have the 6th edition rulebook, it's yeah. on page 48. Nice. If people want us to make diagrams, you could just write in and tell us so, because we could possibly do them actually like with in-game photos, couldn't we? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and then uh, after wheeling, you have turning, as Jimmy said, and that's when you're stationary and you turn and you may turn up to 90 degrees for a quarter of your move, right? Yeah. So if you have move eight and you want to turn, if you're standing facing forward and you want to turn straight to the right, then that's going to cost you two inches of movement. And then you may move forward six inches. Yeah. So the thing is, like, you can't do this if you're marching because marching is going straight forward. You can wheel because that you're also moving forward when you're wheeling. But if you want to turn on the spot, then you cannot march. And change formation, uh, you can add or deduct ranks. Like half of its movement to, to add or deduct a rank. Can, can you also turn with this? Or is turn like a... I think you can turn with it as well. As uh, turning takes up a quarter of your move and change formation takes up half of your move, so you at least have one quarter left. Should also note that it is important that your leader, standard bears, and musicians go in the front rank for the new front rank of the unit after you've yeah, turned it or changed formation. Always in the front rank. Yeah. So that's yeah, adding or deducting ranks. And then you have the last move uh, order. That's just so to speak, which is reform, uh, where you get to, you spend all of your movement, but you get to turn in any direction and deduct or add as many ranks as you want. So if you're like facing forward with five, uh, five men in four ranks, and then you can decide to look backwards with 20 guys in one row if you want. But yeah. only, also, yeah, you can guys can only move as far as their own move as well, right? So you can't, That's correct. You can't move 20 inches because of a reform. You still have to be able to walk there. You think twice your movement, actually, because yeah. they can march over there. And uh, this also makes you unable to sh use missile weapons, but wizards are still free to cast spells. Yeah, and Lightcap may also shoot because you can reform as much as they want. Always cheating. <laughs> okay. Anything more with movement? I don't think so. Just gotta mention it. You can get slowed down by terrain. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And uh, often you have to move around terrain and such things, but. That's all part of the the game, so to say. And uh, always take care of planning your movement phase as, as best as you can. It's not often that the battlefield 
actually lets you play plan out your movement too far, but try to take a moment just to look over the situation and see where your troops actually need to be rather than where you feel them to be. Yeah, as Jimmy said, like movement and what people can tell me about fantasy all this time, like movement is the most important phase of the game because that just decides everything. Uh, and like if you move something forward now, like you need to think like what are they going to do in two or three turns? Maybe put them in a position so that they can charge someone to move forward. Uh, because they can't just go back where they came from. They can't move backwards. They have to spend a lot of their movement to turn, to reform and shit. So it's very important where you place your, your units. Okay, are we done with movement? Yeah. So the magic phase starts with uh, generating power in the spell dice. Yeah. yeah. And you do that by looking at the levels of your wizards. Every army have a basic number of two dice for both the spell and power dice. Uh, the uh, well, Wrong. If, well, true. Dwarves have more, but they don't have wizards, so yeah, yeah. point still stands. <laughs> I just want to say, dwarves have two more dispel dice, but they have no more power dice because you can't use power dice. <laughs> So, you were saying? Yeah. So, uh, for each level of your wizards, you get one power dice, and you use these dice to cast your spells. Uh, so, and like I was when saying... You're on, so say, when you're on the receiving side, when you're generating the spell dice, then you get a bit less. So, you get one dice if you have a level one or two, like the one to two, and two dice if you have a level three or four. So it's kind of halved in your dispel pool. Yeah. This is because you're actually supposed to be able to cast your spells. If both sides got the equal amount, it wouldn't have been so much fun. You can also mention that all of these, uh, both power and dispel dice, are the basic because you can always add magic items and different things yeah, just to or get more. Things like Marks of Chaos gives you more power or yeah. dispel dice. Yeah. But these are the basics that everyone gets. So yeah. Or you're, you're playing high elves, and then you steal one dice from your enemy, and then you also get two more dice because reasons and rules, stuff like that. Yeah. Things that make you even more pissed off as a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like we were saying, you use power dice to cast spells, and you use dispel dice to obviously dispel those spells. And to cast a spell, you take a number of dice, and uh, regarding, uh, well, uh, depending on your level of your wizard, you can have uh, one more dice than uh, your level. So if you're a level one wizard, you can use two dice. If you're level two, you can use three, etc., etc. And there's maximum level of four for wizards. So a four, level four wizard can use five dice. Unless you're a dark elf, I think. I think they can use more power dice than their level they allows. They get, uh, get bonuses on their rolls. Okay, they get bonuses. And, and they also have magic items that makes you able to use as many dice you, as you want. Okay. But you still miscast with that power. Yeah. So. And, uh, yeah. 
And uh, when you cast your spells, you roll a number of dice, and you're supposed to come up to a total of whatever the spell's casting value is. So if your cast value is uh, seven, you need seven or more on uh, your dice. So you take as many dice as you think you need to use, and you roll them, and try to roll seven or more. If you roll two sixes, you have an irresistible force, which means the spell is successfully cast, and uh, the enemy can't dispel it. But if you roll a double one, the spell has been a miscast, and you roll on a specific miscast table, where things can go bananas, so to speak. There are, I just want to say that there are kind of few uh, of those like charts in this book. Yeah. Like random charts where stuff yeah. just goes terribly wrong. But then again, it's full of them in Skaven and... Oh, yes. Books. Oh, yes. And there's one in the Chaos book as well, isn't it? That basically turns you into a spawn or something. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I need best... to check this one. I, yeah. I need to check this one up. Yeah. And just this, there's also a combination of those because if two or more sixes and two or more ones are rolled, the spell fails and the wizard must roll 2d6 on the miscast table. Yeah. Basically, irresistible force and then fail. So uh, uh, a double one is always a fail. So Yeah. And in that case, the double six makes it even more powerful and then it fails. Yeah. So let's say uh, I roll three dice and I need eight or more to successfully cast the spells, uh, and I roll a nine, so it's successful. How do yes. I then uh, dispel this as an enemy? Uh, you you use a dispel dice uh, to roll equal or more than the caster rolled on his to cast roll. So I would le- so need at I least. So so if I roll, I, I decide that I don't want you to use dispel at all. And I say I have five dispel, dispel dice. I may use four of them or all five because I really don't want you to to success. So I need on all my dice. I need to roll nine or more. Yeah. But then you get plus two if you're a dwarf. Yeah, or if you're using certain magic items. Yeah. He's drawing a lot of dwarf references because. <laughs> Like when I used to play this system, I played dwarfs, and I just loved ruining people's day in their magic face. Like, oh, you're never letting me use any spells. Like, I know. <laughs> just face my Skaven. I will roll 13 every time. A double six is not a, an irresistible force for them. You need to roll 13. <laughs> and then you used to, happens upon the banners and stuff that used to. Almost grants them immunity to magic. <laughs> oh no! Uh, Can say that uh, you have magic resistance in this game as well. Some yes, and uh, magic resistance gives you bonus dice to dispel a spell. Uh, for like, you can have magic resistance, and you can have magic resistance for a unit. Or can you only have it for units? I think like if if you, you target have... a unit that has yeah. magic resistance too. Yeah, then yeah. that unit gets plus two t- extra dice on uh, dispelling the spell. That's also true for certain magic items that just grants the one carrying the magic item uh, magic immunity or magic resistance. 
Yeah. I just kind of wanted to sneak that in there because it's yeah. very, very different from other editions. Yeah, because in uh, later editions you get a save instead. Yeah. So what happens if a dispel uh, if a spell remains in play? Can you dispel it? Niklas, will you take this one or should I? Yes, you can. You can use your you use your own power dice for this, right? Let's go when it's your turn. Yeah. You may use your power dice that you would usually use to cast a spell to dispel another spell. And then you don't have to roll above what the other person rolled before. You just have to roll the basic casting value of that spell. So if the value of that spell is 6 plus, but the guy rolled a 12 or something, then you can still dispel this on 6 plus. And you can also dispel spells caused with irresistible force in this way. Yeah. Uh, I think also and there are also, some, some bound spells. Yeah, I was going to mention that. There are magic items that gives you bound spells, and uh, bound spells have a, let's say, an an automatic success. But regarding of the level of the bound spell, it well the the bound spell level counts as the spell well, power dice roll, so to say. If uh, if my bound spell is power level three. It counts as I had rolled three on my casting value. So if the enemy wanna dispel my bounce spell of power level three, they just need to roll a three or more. Yeah. And bounce spells are nice to use at the beginning of the magic phase or at the end, depending on if you wanna lure out some extra dispel dice from your enemy or if this it's a really good bounce spell that you wanna cast automatically at the end. So you use your ordinary spells to lure out the dispels, dispel rolls of your enemy. Well, look at this. Someone actually knows how to play the game. Yeah. It's always fun. I've been, I've been playing Tomb Kings before, so the, <laughs> it's, it's, the thing it's is kind of important. That, uh, that surprise fireball to the face is always a nice thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there any more to say about the match face in general i think like well, we were just was... talking about having like an advanced magic yeah section in another episode because it's, yeah. it's a deep topic there's too many like... there's a lot of more lores that are in that are in addition to the eight lores that are in the core rule book yeah. so we figure it would be better to do a proper topic of it because well there are only eight in this book and we have to go through all of the other books to just get the grasp of every, all of them and just to summarize them. Yeah. Okay. Should we just uh, mention what lores are in the core book? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so, oh, gotta go through this big-ass book again. Uh, but it's the lore of uh, one second. The lore of one second. The lore of fire, the lore of metal, the most metal lore. The lore of shadow, the lore of beasts, the lore of the heavens, the lore of light, the lore of life, and the lore of death. Spooky. Yeah, and I mean, you can hear mostly what these things do. Lore of death, you kill stuff. And lore of life, you heal stuff. Lore of light, it's like healing it's and also holy. light damage. Yeah. yeah. Like a classic fantasy paladin. 
uh, Lord of Heavens. Well, it's, it's comets and lightning bolts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, looking into the future. A uh, lot of beasts making beasts crazy, making you stronger. A uh, lot of shadow. Uh, it's also like uh, it's kind of touching on the lore of death, to say, but it's also about the night. Well, it's it's all yeah, and buffs and debuffs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's deception. Lore of metal. Uh, What's it called? Isn't there like a, a science of the metals? Yeah, it's alchemy. alchemy. Yeah. So, like taking that to, to the reality and fantasy, making lead into gold. Yeah, and uh, most importantly, making your enemies' weapons and armor melt. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking harsh. Not nice if you have a one plus save. Oh, God. I and, need to get uh, myself a lower metal guy. Uh, lower fire is classic, classic fantasy. Fireballs, fireball, fireball, fire blast, conflagration uh, of doom is the best spell name. Flaming sword of ruin. <laughs> it's a bit of the opposite of what the Kislevites are going for. Yes. yes. Yes, we said different armies have their own unique magic, which is really cool. And uh, the castle has, of course, a lot of ice. Because, I mean, anything else would be stupid. True, true. All right, but I think that's uh, it for magic. Time to go to shooting. Yeah, so the, the real magic phase for dwarves. This is where it happens, folks. Uh, so, generally in shooting, if you have a ranged weapon, then you may use this to shoot. Then the weapon has its stats. It has uh, it's got uh, range, and it's got strength, and it's got some special rules. Maybe it's got armor piercing. Maybe it's got move or fire. Maybe it's got Mul- multiple shots. Yeah. Uh. And then maybe there are some special rules for different armies. You know that skinks have poison on their blow darts and stuff like that. That's yeah. more of a general rule. So when you want to shoot, you just measure your range towards the enemy. If they're within range, you may shoot with those guys. And then and go- uh, to be in range, you also need to be in line of sight. Which, yes, good point. Yeah, 90, point, 90 degrees fire arc from the unit. Yeah, it's, it's per model as well, right? So. No, no, it's... Uh, I think it's... I'm going to check this. Yes, it's model in 6th edition. In later editions, it's the units arc. So 90 okay. degrees of per model. Yeah, so if someone's standing to your far left, then maybe only half of your unit may fire. Yeah, exactly. Uh and in this edition, only the front rank may fire, unless you're on a hill, in which case the the second rank may also fire. So, yes, and to add, I think in this edition, when you shoot at a large target model, everyone gets to shoot. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on it, but I think that's how it was. I have a 
bad memory of Gnoblers using sharp stuff on one one giants before. It does make sense. Okay, so you measure if you're in range and then you start firing. So you check out your ballistic skill. I have a ballistic skill three. So that means I hit on a four usually, but then you have to hit modifiers. So you have minuses and plus. You have a minus if the enemy is outside of half your range. So if you have a bow, which is 24 inches of range and the enemy is at 18 inches, then you get a plus one to hit because it's harder to hit stuff further away. So you hit on fives. And then maybe the enemy is behind some bushes, which is a light cover. It also makes it one step harder. So that's six to hit. And then maybe he's a large target. So that gives you minus one. So it's easier to hit him. So then you're hitting on fives again. But oh, I moved in the movement phase, which also gives you plus one. So you're hitting on sixes again. Now, like I, this seems like very complicated when I like took all of them like that, but it's very easy. Usually, it's just short range or long range, and did I move or not? Yeah. And then you roll all your guys that are firing. Oh, I got three hits, and then you just roll to wound, just like close combat. I want to add one thing. There is this thing seven plus to hit. The if yeah. You if. If you happen to have a, a very bad ballista skill and, uh, and you get these negative modifiers and you need a 7 plus to hit, you roll a die as normal. And uh, for every 6 you roll, you roll it again. On a 4 up, you hit. And on an 8 plus, it's a 5 up prior uh, after this 6. And if you need a 9 plus, it's 6 followed by 6. But 10 plus is impossible. <laughs> yeah. So you can still hit even if you're running through a forest shooting at Knobloss behind a wall at long range. Yeah, you might just be lucky. Very lucky. Uh, and yeah, as we said, there are these special rules armor piercing one or two, and you just take that off the enemy armor. Uh, then you have some weapons that are moving fire, like handguns. And you can't move and fire. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, repeating crossbows. If you want to shoot twice, then you also get plus one to hit. Rather minus one to hit if you, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. It's a negative modifier, though. One harder. So, yeah. Yeah, shooting is pretty uncomplicated. Although, uh, in this edition, which is like one of my favorite things about it, in this edition, when you're firing artillery, uh, since this is uh, an edition where you can't pre-measure, you have to kind of guess if you're in range of stuff. Yeah. This really affects the artillery, especially cannons and catapults. Yeah, true it does. Uh, so ballistas... And organ guns and hell blasters, they have at least a fixed range and they shoot kind of small projectiles. Uh, a stone thrower or catapult, uh, you just turn it to where you wanted to shoot. So if you have a, like a unit that's far off in the distance, you just turn it to them. Then you need to guess how far away they are. And then you just say, okay, those guys are exactly 
31 inches away from me, or that's where I want the stone to land. So then you measure 31 inches, inches in a straight line from your catapult to the unit. And you're like, oh, I have played fantasy for 12 years. I know all the ranges. And you head right into the unit. But then you still roll a scattered ice and artillery dice to see. Because you might be really good at guessing, but your crew still not the most dependable. Yeah, you can also be really good at math and use Pythagoras to yes. measure. This is very true. So if you're a seasoned dwarf player, then you have your cannon. You <laughs> point it exactly 12 <laughs> inches forward in the middle. So you know that you have uh, uh, 24 inches to either side. So you know exactly where you are on the table. And you know exactly how big the table are. This, and then you see the enemy this forward to you and then you think like oh yeah maybe he's deployed 32 inches from the side and he moves forward five inches and then you just calculate that shit mathematical dude and then uh, someone that doesn't really understand math just uh, accuses you of cheating yeah i did the lesser races because that that has happened <laughs> i've seen it it's just hilarious <laughs> As a seasoned greenskin player, I always called bullshit on my uh, former enemy back in school. Used this every <laughs> single fucking time. It was a bull's fucking eye. Every time with his Empire Morton, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> There's dead greenskins everywhere. He's obviously cheating. <laughs> yeah. And when you're firing a cannon, uh, you do the same thing as with a catapult, but then you want to have you want to aim in front of the enemy because the you shoot it and then it hits the ground and then it's going to bounce uh, the distance shown by an artillery dice and it's going to fly forward through the unit. And it's on that bounce, that's when it hits the enemy. So if, you, if the enemy is in the line before it bounces, then the cannonball is flying over the enemy and it's like after it bounces, that's when it's flying next to the ground and smashes the enemy. Yeah, and the golden spot, I remember this from 8th edition, uh, was, as, as you could pre-measure there, was to place the cannonball 7 inches in front of the unit. And if you're good at guessing, you should also make the cannonball's first bounce stop start 7 inches in front of the unit. Isn't it, usually people say like 10 inches from the back in 8th editions? That's what I heard. Seven inches from the front is what I remember, but ten inches from the back sounds really good too, so why not? Tomato, tomato. As long as they're dead greeting since. I might be thinking of the warp lightning cannon now that I'm thinking of it. As the warp lightning cannon bounces like a cannonball, but then blasts off like a, like a rock lobber in the middle of it. Mm, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, well. Anywho, if you take some casualties from shooting, you might get a panic test. And if you take 25% or more models in one phase in casualties, you need to take a panic test, which is a leadership test. If you fail, you run. Yeah. And this is taken immediately, not at the end of the phase, like where most of us are used to in other games. Hmm. So 
<clears throat> if you take 25% casually, then you need to roll that straight away. Yes. So what if you take 25% again? You only take one panic test per, well, uh, phase, I think. Uh, as it says here, uh, if a unit takes 25 or more percent casualties from a shooting, it must immediately take a panic test. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and this gives you more, well, should we say flexibility if one unit shoots out 25% of one unit and they flee. Other shooting units are free to shoot at other targets. So this is really good. Yeah. Or you can, if you shoot at a unit that you want gone, you're kind of counting on it to flee. Yeah. And then you get 25% and then, oh, it didn't flee. And you notice straight away and then you can concentrate more of your shooting yeah. units on that unit. So that does make a tactical difference. Yeah. I uh, just want to say also that you have to fire your guest range weaponry first in shooting phase. Yes. Because then you have to measure it and then otherwise, yeah. you, like if you have a unit of uh, like a bolt thrower next to your cannon and then you measure the range with the bolt thrower and then you just know the range instantly for the cannon. So you can't use like a bolt thrower as a laser guider for your cannon. But if you have two cannons, you can make a really guess guess with your first cannon <laughs> and know the range with the other one. <laughs> yeah. I have seen this too. It was horrible. A cannon besides a mortar, and this made the mortar make a bull's eye on a unit. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, the shooting, right? Yeah. Next phase is close combat where the damage is dealt. Yeah, if you're not a dwarf or gnome empire guy. They fight too. I've seen it. <laughs> On rare occasions, they bring out yeah. their axes and swords. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so after you've moved in your chargers, uh, but also if you have remaining combats, maybe the combat didn't resolve totally, and they're still locked in combat, then you start fighting. So the person whose turn it is decides which combat to start with, right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, you also solve one combat at a time. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, let's say you pick a combat where you charged, then uh, you count all the models from the front rank uh, or also the second rank if you have spears, I think. This spears, spears can't fight in two ranks if they charge, sadly. Okay. So let's say you charge with spearmen and you have five guys in each rank in like three ranks. Uh, then the front rank gets to strike first because you charged. And if you have a champion that has two attacks, then you, of course, get six attacks in total. Uh, And then you roll to hit, comparing your weapon skill to the enemy's weapon skill. So if I have weapon skill four, you have weapon skill three, then I need to roll three plus on these six dice. And I hit with four. 
I take these four dice and then I roll comparing my strength to your toughness. I have strength three because I am a weak elf. You have a mighty toughness of four because you're a mighty dwarf. Or an uh, orc. Yeah. And then I need to roll five or more on these dice. So I successfully wound with two of them. And then you roll your armor save, which is one plus for some weird reason. Let's because say. I'm a knight. Yeah. Uh, so since I'm strength three, you won't get any negative modifiers. You do get negative modifiers to your armor. If you have strength four, you get minus one. Strength five, you get minus two. Strength six, minus three, and so on. So the harder you strike, the more likely you are you're going to pierce the enemy's armor, which makes sense. Since you have a one plus save, you don't automatically success, succeed. Uh, you still need to roll a two or more because a one is always a failure. So you roll your two dice and you, you make both of them. And then, well, let's say you fail one of them actually just to make this uh, make sense of this segment. So let's say you have five guys in your front rank. You lost one of them, which means that one of them won't get the strike because they don't step up in this position. Uh, so you get to strike back with four guys. One of them is a champion, though. So he's got two attacks. So you still get five attacks. So then you roll your weapon skill. You get weapon skill three against the enemy's weapon skill four. You still hit on four ups because it's easier to hit enemies that have higher weapon skill than you. Yeah, you need... If you need, you get a worse to hit roll if the enemy's weapon skill is double more than double yours. Yeah. So you need weapon skill. Yeah, seven then you hit on fives. To, yeah. And then you compare your strength to their toughness. Uh, you have a great weapon on your strength three, and a great weapon increases your strength by two. So you are now strength five. So let's say you hit with three attacks. And then you have strength five against the enemy's toughness three, uh, which means you wound on two up. So you roll your three dice and you wound with two of them. The enemy has got light armor and shield, which gives them a five plus save. But since you're strength five, you get minus two on that save. So they don't get a save at all. So they just die. And uh, to add here, if your unit did not have spears, they could have used their hand weapons, which would have given them an extra save. Actually, hand in this weapon. case, I think hand you, weapon and you have... You, plus one. Yeah, you always have a hand weapon. Yeah, you do. Even if you have a spear. Yeah, so, but you chose to use your spears. Okay, but in this instance, I made a mistake. And since Jimmy, he's a gracious opponent, and yeah. he knows that I'm a noob, so, so of I course, let you use them. Of course, you would have used the swords when you charge yeah. because you won't get a spear bonus so anyway. Yeah, so, it's obvious. And also, I will buy Jimmy a beer after the game because he's so nice. So, uh, I use my swords. So I still get a six-up save because using a sword and a shield gives you one plus. So I roll my two dice, and one of them is a six. One guy survives. So I have lost a guy. You have lost a guy. And yeah, that's when we check the, the combat resolution. Uh, yeah, as I said, I lost a guy and you lost a guy. So that's plus one for both of us. I had three ranks with my elves. 
but now since a guy is gone from the last rank, I won't get a rank bonus. I think I? you always count the rank, the the starting rank bonuses from a fight. Hmm. Okay. It's good we're doing this segment because apparently I don't know the rules very well. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, check this up actually while you talk. Okay. So I think in sixth edition you also need these four guys in a rank to count as, as a rank bonus. But let's say I do have my two, I have like two ranks extra from the first rank. So I get two rank bonuses. The enemy only has one rank bonus. So that puts me in the lead with one. I have a banner and he's got a banner. So that's plus one for both of us as well. Uh, but actually for this segment, let's say that I don't have a banner and then we're equal. So the combat is a draw, but I have a musician and he doesn't. So when it's a tie, but one side has a musician and that side wins the combat. But that's the only time that it gives a bonus. It doesn't give plus one for your combat. Only when it's a draw, but one side has a musician. And if both sides have one, they cancel each other out as well. But remember everyone, always get a musician. It helps you rally your troops. Yes. Oh, I found it here. Uh, you count your, you you claim your rank bonus from the first start of the combat round, so you get your full mm. rank. This is That's very good. important. That's good news for my kiss up as well. I didn't know this. Yeah, really good. Uh, so yeah, let's say the elves won this because they have a musician and more ranks. Uh, so the dwarves need to test a leadership, like do a leadership test. They have a base of leadership eight. Is there any dwarf with leadership eight, or do they all have nine to start? I think they have eight normal dwarfs. Might be nine. Not sure. It's Chris. Chris still here. I haven't got my books that close, but I think it's eight and then nine for upgrades, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think I remember this that they only had like leadership eight, nine, and ten. We didn't have anything low than eight. So eight for standard dwarves, nine for thanes and stuff, and ten for lords. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, the dwarves have leadership nine. They lost by one. So they're now down to leadership eight. Uh, seven. They, say they have eight first. So now they're down to seven. Uh, so they need to roll two dice and roll lower than or equal to equal, seven. Equal, yeah. equal to or lower than eight. Seven in this case, since they lost by one and they had eight start oh, to yeah, start with. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, so let's say that they failed this leadership test. They rolled a 10. Uh, and now they have to flee. And they the are enemy... broken, so to say. Yeah. The enemy may decide if they want to pursue or not. If they don't want to pursue and you stand where they are, they need to pass a leadership test or else they're overtaken by their urge to kill the warblings. Yeah, and uh, broken units or destroyed units within six inches of friendly units cause a panic test. So let's say I have another unit of dwarves beside these guys and they see their fellows flee. They need to take a panic test. Yeah, and this is also true for like the shooting phase. If a unit next to you got demolished by a hellblaster, 
then you're yeah. probably going to shit in your pants. You Unless there's the slaves. You never flee from dead slaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is true for multiple factions. Or if a goblin unit dies, orcs don't care. Yeah. If a goblin unit dies, then chaos dwarfs don't care as well. <laughs> true. So, yeah, no one cares about slaves. That's it. So, yeah. if you break from combat, you roll two dice, you just flee straight away from the enemy. Uh, and then the enemy gets to pursue, and he also rolls two dice, and he, if he rolls more than you, then you, he chases you down, and he moves his unit straight forward against you, where you should have been the distance that you rolled. Uh, I just want to say that uh, if you have if you're engaged to two enemy units, let's say you have one to the front, one to the flank, then I think you flee from the strongest enemy unit, right? Yeah, that's right. The one with the most models. Yeah. And on rare occasions, you pursue units off the table. And if you run over a table edge, uh, the pursuers will come back on the following turn. Is it your following turn or the following? Well, well, well the, the owning unit's following turn. Yeah. Uh, from that exact point or? A unit that one? pursues its enemy off the table returns to the same point where it left in its next turn. It may not yeah. charge, but can otherwise move and fight as normal. Wizards can cast spells normally. The unit counts as having moved, moved for the purposes of shooting. Yeah. All right. And you also get to redress ranks as there is uh, a thing in 6th edition that is lapping around. Uh, we'll get into that in some other segment, but uh, basically you can put guys on the f- from, your, from your furthest rank, so to say. You can take these guys and lap them around on the enemy's flanks. It doesn't give you much bonuses other than extra attacks. Yeah. So, like, when you win a combat, then you try to surround the enemy yeah. to get more attacks in. I just want to ask, like, do you, do you lose rank bonuses for that? Or yeah, do they yeah count you, as... you do. You you lose rank bonuses. So, yeah. this this is why it's good to be a Skaven player or a Night Goblin player, where you have multitudes of ranks. So, you always lap around. Although, goblins always lose more bodies when they lap around because they're weak. But yeah. It's shorter than that. Like if you lap around then you may lose rank bonuses. Yeah. Does it count like you're attacking the enemy from the flank if you do that? It doesn't like, count as you're attacking from the flank. It just it just gives you more guys to attack with. Yeah. And but that's what the enemy the, still gets the, the enemy also gets to attack back with their guys yeah. from the flanks, so to say. Yeah, so it's a risky move. Yeah, so never surround Chaos Warriors. Been there, done that. Never again. <laughs> Although, I was going to say that those guys won't get their sword and board save. Like they're plus one because you're attacking yeah. one side, do they? I think that's correct. Well, yeah, as you see, it's, you can do a lot of things. It's a complicated yeah. system. Okay. Yeah, I think. Those are the. Yeah, these like are the plus, These are like the top of the iceberg. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know, like how detailed we should go into combat. This is basically how you resolve each combat. You use the charge strikes first, the enemy strikes back. You count your casualties. You count your ranks if you outnumber them. It's also a thing. Standards, rear attack, overkill, flank attack. If you stand on the high ground, you get bonuses. Then you just see who wins and then take that result to the enemy's leadership. He needs to like, take that off his leadership and roll equal to or under it, or you flee. And if it's, if it's an already ongoing combat, you just strike in initiative order. And if both sides have the same initiative, you roll off to see who fights first. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Because in other editions, I think you both strike at the same time, right? Yeah, that's right. And also and, you have and, the... Uh, Always strike uh, last weapons. Yeah, true. And some units have always strike first. But I also want to add, uh, when you pursue, you can pursue into fresh enemies. And uh, for our, all rules and purposes, this counts as a charge in the following move, uh, combat phase. Yeah. Which is really nice if you have uh, knights with lances. Yes. Because the lances are basically only good on yeah. the turn that you charge with. Yeah. Can also be useful when you have chariots. Yeah, uh, or weapons like uh, morning stars or uh, flails, which have a strength bonus in the first round of combat. Yeah. Yeah, getting the charge is very important in this edition. Yes, and knowing when to take the charge. It's also important. Always remember, guys, if you play goblins or skaven, flee when you can. You will never survive. Yeah, but you'll probably never rally if you flee as well. Oh, yes. Uh, that's that's true. But there will be squigs and fanatics all over the place, so I don't need to. <laughs> or rattling guns. Always fun with rattling yeah. guns. They always or... explode. Or Skaven that get blamed for sneakily messing things up just to make the leader look bad. Yeah, uh, let's say my, my Storm Vermin are always slaves in disguise. They suck. <laughs> well, I think we got everything here. Yep. Uh, we should also mention here that there were uh, quite a few... FAQs and Erratas released for 6th edition. And the easiest way to find most of them, I think there's some more that was only published on the website, the old GW's website. But the easiest ones to get hold of are, are in the annual from 2002 and the two Chronicles books that were released in 2003 and 2004. Christopher said the Erratas are in uh, the annual book. Find them on various Russian homepages uh, back in the day when they had to put like books to fix like. How does this rule actually work? Oh, yeah. Well, gotcha. they did have them on the website for download as well, but that website disappeared sometimes in 2006. So it's quite it's quite hard to find, even if you want to look at some internet archives. So, yeah, it's pretty much combat. You just want to say that resolving the combats are pretty easy. Knowing what, as Jimmy said, like knowing when to take a combat and knowing when to charge, that's what makes the game very complicated. Yeah. So if you play Chaos and you have Corn Chosen, always charge and always take the charge. You will always survive and you will always kill. 
And remember that corn cares not from whence the blood flows. This is also true. So you're always a winner when you play corn. Even if you lose. Yay! Blood for the blood god! <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but this is uh, our basics for the 6th edition. We're going to do some more of these with more of a focus that we mentioned. But uh, I hope this has served us uh, at least some kind of entry point if you want to play 6th edition. These are like the basic, basic, basic stuff. Three other phases of the game. Uh, and just have to do those. But then, of course, there are, they are kind of complicated when you actually start doing them. But if you want to have like two units and just try this out, just try how it works. And that's a very good idea. Like the games that I played were just 500 points, four units in total. Speaking of which, I'm going to uh, splice this in, our little discussion about that right here. And we'll next see you when we talk a bit about shout outs and outro stuff. So now, should we go into uh, some game experiences from 6th edition? Yeah, we could. Uh, given that you have had, have you had more than the two games so far? No, two games. But then we maybe should talk about those two games and what you felt when playing. And what, uh, if it was, uh, well, let's just talk about your experience about them. Uh, yeah. So... I went to this club, uh, Hate, in London, uh, and played against Henry Steele. Uh, he is going to start playing Chaos Warriors, uh, and I have my Kislev, so really nice matchup to start with. Uh, and uh, we said we're going to start playing like 500-point games just to get a feel for the mechanics. Do you have the armor list for both of you in your head? Uh, yes. So I had uh, a seven-man uh, Griffin Legion unit, the one that I painted, and two five-man uh, horse archers and a hero on horse. And he had like barding and great weapon and a rifle. And uh, Henry was playing Chaos, and like at first I kind of expected him to just go all knights, which would have been pretty hard for me, I think, because they're super heavily armored, and they have like initiative 5, weapon skill 5, strength 5, I think. There's madness. They're really tough. Um, <laughs> but then he ended up with having four or five knights, and two units of, uh, I think two units of uh, Marauder Horsemen and uh, a hero on Chariot. So it was uh, horse armies on horse army. That's... That uh, must have looked really good on the table. Just uh, one thing. Did you have any like preferred enemy paint unpainted? <laughs> Uh, no, not for it. But we said that like we would allow each other to play. Like, if you bring a, an unpainted unit and play with, and you're allowed to play with that unit unpainted once, but then the next time you bring it, it has to be painted. That's actually a, quite a good way to do it because then you can still play and have an incentive to actually get stuff painted. Yeah. And like, we're all 
about having our stuff painted to just have we're more like having thematic battles than to show off our mad skills of the mechanics uh <laughs> and yeah the, the team is really cool like that we both have mounted armies just riding around in north trying to outmaneuver the other one uh so like when we got to the club uh we set up a table when we found this snow mat which is perfect uh but i noticed that like um fantasy has been out of the loop for a while now so back in the day there there would be like every club would have a lot of like generic fantasy terrain Mm -hmm. that is like trees and stuff like that but now it's like being replaced more and more because like everyone wants city fighter right now for both 40k and horse heresy so it's not like as easy to find green fields and trees anymore i would say uh but we managed to set up because you don't need a lot of terrain for fantasy just the terrain is more scenic than something that you would actually fight in because you always avoid terrain in fantasy you never want to fight in a forest or something like that. Especially uh, not with cavalry. <laughs> yeah, especially not with cavalry. But we had like a, like a winter, uh, like an old shrine or something. So that worked fine. Uh, so we played two games, set up. Uh, my plan was to like bait his stuff with uh, my horse archers and then ride around the flank with my lancers my griffin legion uh so i rode up with my horse archer shot some arrows they did nothing and then he declared a charge and uh, uh, the first charge that we ever had i declared a flea reaction (laughs) (laughs) so so i understood like okay this is the game we're gonna be playing (laughs) so there's cat and mouse at that time Basically, yeah. you just have to chase him down, or chase you well, down in this, case, in this case. There won't be any manly showdowns. He's going to be like flea and hairy. Uh, so I fled well, away. You don't, want, you don't want to get into close combat with certain KS units. <laughs> That's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah, those are Marauder Horsemen, though, so they're pretty tame. But... Oh, so they're basically the same thing. Yeah. But I decided to flee, uh, fled, he didn't catch up, and then the next turn I charged in that in that unit with my my hero thought that he could do some wonders turned out he couldn't really uh so uh, he actually got killed by those marauders and uh, he was going to charge my second unit of horse archers with his chariot and i declared another flea reaction but i rolled a four on three dice so he still caught on to them and just destroyed them <laughs> so it's like a really bad result from the first successful flea and then a failed flea, which left just my Griffin Legion that heroically charged in, killed a knight unit, I think, actually, um, uh, maybe a Marauder Horseman unit, and then they just succumbed on, under the weight of chaos. So it's like yeah. some bad flea results in the beginning, and then I got ground down. Uh, and yeah, the game was pretty quick because it was just 500 points. So, uh, and it was like, 
should we play another one? Like, yeah, sure. Of course, let's play another one. Uh, and this time, Henry started. He went up the field with his knights to try and lure me in so he could then charge with his chariot. Uh, I charged in on those knights with my Griffin Legion and my uh, Boyar, my hero. And I squashed the knights. Or I didn't squash him, but I, I, I won the combat and he fled and I chased him down. So the next turn I was standing right next to his chariot and he couldn't really do anything. So like after the first combat, after a failed bait from him, the game was pretty much over. It's like, all right, game over. Good game. <laughs> Let's have a beer. How did you feel the game went in that case? Did it go like a decent way to play or was it just... Uh... Yeah, it's yeah. very different from uh, newer editions, both of Fantasy and like 40k and Horse Heresy, that they're pretty forgiving when you do mistakes and you can kind of correct your mistakes by moving pretty much anywhere. Stuff is pretty resilient. While in Fantasy, it's Jimmy says, says this a lot as well, like it's all about movement. If you fuck up movement, then it doesn't really matter like what happens in the combat phase. Because if you allow yourself to be charged in a bad situation, then that's pretty much going to swing the game. Uh, yeah, you can take risks like Henry did. If he would have held that charge, then uh, he could have charged him with his chariot, and then you would probably have ground me down. Uh, so it's all about movement. That's why I said that this is like chess. Sixth mm-hmm. edition is pretty much like chess. Like. It's probably a tactic that could have worked easier if it was a larger battle as well. Yeah. Yeah, this is also used 500 points, so... Uh, you don't really have the resources to spare to try to counterattack him in that case. Yeah. So this is not, like... This is not the optimal size for the game, I think. I think, like, 1,500 points works really well for a 6th edition. Yeah, it's... Uh, Quick enough, if nothing else. Yeah, but fire points was still fun. Like, don't get me wrong on that, uh, and it was still playable because uh, other games, like Core Series as well, doesn't really doesn't really feel fulfilling at five hundred points. Later editions of Fantasy, like Eighth Edition, I don't really think it works at five hundred points. But in Sixth Edition, you can have smaller units, and it's more about five hundred points. Just a hero. Or a lord in eighth edition. <laughs> yeah, and you had like a lot bigger blocks. That's the thing. Like eighth edition is better suited for big battles, in my opinion, and sixth edition does work with these smaller battles. Uh, so yeah, that's, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it was fun. I, I actually talked to Henry when I met him at the Randian Hobby Camp. Yeah, and uh, he even admitted that they actually. Lost and won a game, so I think your story checks out. <laughs> yeah. He also said that he uh, had a good time, so we might uh, have to talk to him about it if you guys uh, start playing more. Yeah. Uh, we are going to play some more. Uh, I don't know if we we're going to play 500 or 1,000 points. Uh, we'll see about that. So, I am looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Really excited about playing bigger games as well. Just have even more maneuverability. Might just uh, do a bit of a spoiler here and say that there, 
sooner rather than later more of the podcast will have some battles going for at least for a saturday so yeah yeah you guys are planning to play in sweden right yeah you were i guess you were invited but you decided to go on holiday <laughs> instead yeah and live abroad <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the first uh, first opinion of the game. It's very like you stand and rub your chin a lot during the movement phase. That's that's my opinion of sixth edition. Like you're like, should I place it there or should I do something else? Like you you're in constant like agony over what you should do with your army, like where you should place all your units. It's never used. Yeah, of course, I'm going to go forward and just shoot. Or of course, of course, I'm just going to go forward and charge. You always need to think like a couple of turns ahead and think like how the enemy is going to place his units and try and always get the charge. Yeah. And then uh, you, you stand in the... In the enemy movement phase, and just uh, think, oh, I hope I don't gonna move there. I hope hope he moves over there. And, yeah. Uh, just uh, oh, he just ruined my entire plan. Now the game will fo- it might fold, but I have to compensate. Yeah, and also because your units are so locked, you can't really just go anywhere with them. Yeah, this is true. That's that's the well. You were to comment on whatever downside. Of uh, rank and files, even uh, in heresy, where you move units, you can move them in a totally different way because they have to be in a in in a totally different cohesion to each other. Yeah, at least they have uh, lots and lots of uh, light cavalry, which are like the exception to the rank and file system. The kids go anywhere. Yeah. yeah, and then you. You don't have any skirmish units in Kislev other. No. Do you? I don't. Yeah, they are also quite a lot more flexible in how they move. Yeah. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Looking forward to playing more games. Well, that's good. The first experience didn't uh, just scare you off. Yeah, I'm I'm too far in now. Like even if it would be in a shit game. I would have too much Kessel stuff to to admit it. <laughs> I love this game. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, that sounds good. It sounds uh, promising that uh, there will be more games in the future as well. Yeah. So uh, keep an eye on Instagram as well to see some battle reports. I couldn't really take battle report pictures of this. Because there was just too much unpainted. Both me and Henry were just too ashamed of it. You mean that Henry didn't let you? Yeah. I mean, I could have, but then I don't think I would have another game. Or left alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, go on to the end of this episode. And uh, we're going to start with uh, a long list of shout outs that uh, Nicholas got prepared for us. Yes. Let me scroll through this chat because someone posted a bunch of pictures of a shadow man, shadow wizard. It's important. You need the shadow man. 
So yeah, I just uh, want to start by saying that uh, it's been great with all the interactions we got from the community uh, in the last few weeks, because uh, now we put out four and a half episodes and people started writing to us and asking us questions, which is awesome. It's great to talk to, to people and see that people really like burn for fantasy stuff. So it's been great seeing this and especially uh, like our big project now is doing sixth edition stuff and people are still keen on doing sixth edition, which is amazing. Uh, and uh, yeah, I told you about this sixth editions uh, event that I'm going to, which I'm really looking forward to is talking to those guys about ideas. It's awesome. Is that event fully booked yet or is are still tickets available? It is fully booked. It's got 20 spots, and now I think there are two guys on their service. That's really nice. That's yeah, really, yeah. Really, nice. really nice to hear. Yeah, and that event is, uh, is planned for like 2nd of March, I think. So still way off in the future. So maybe like the people want it so much that we'll do like a small one before that. Like I, I definitely want to get playing some Station before that. Maybe not like an official event, but I'm really keen to play. It seems to be people here in England that want to play six editions. So that's awesome. Uh, uh, speaking of like community, it's active. Uh, there are a bunch of Facebook pages uh, where you can talk fantasy if you're interested in it. Uh, so I joined like two fantasy pages. There was this Warmer Fantasy 8th edition page and Warmer Fantasy 6th edition page. Uh, the 8th edition page just relabeled themselves as just a general fantasy page. So, yeah, I think that's really nice. Just like whatever fantasy floats your boat, just go in and talk about this awesome game and especially this awesome setting. Uh, and yeah, it's a very active page. People keep writing there. And sixth edition page as well. Uh, I know, Jimmy, I think you did you pay, uh, post your the battle report in both of those pages or the sixth edition yeah, page? Yeah, I think I posted it in both of them. Yeah. So it's a great page for you to sharing pictures, sharing your progress, or if you played any battles, just post it up there and get people talking. It's awesome. And I'm going to talk about the group Middlehammer. Uh, Middlehammer is a bit like Old Hammer, but newer. Therefore, uh, there are some <laughs> that uh, some call them New Old Hammer. So it's basically everything from 1988 to 2016 but mostly Middlehammer is like 5th to 8th edition and uh, it's not only rules it's mostly about the models but uh, they also play those older editions and uh, post things up there. It's a really great group. Yeah. And then there's also the Old Hammer group and said the Middlehammer is like Old Hammer but newer. Yeah. And Old uh, Hammer is like mostly 3rd edition. Yeah the real classics yeah really gorgeous models if you yes. like older models so to say uh other than that there are like a bunch of pages on facebook for uh, uh different factions in fantasy i'm in this kissel page which is great to get this get like focus inspiration on this one faction uh, and also the trading groups. Uh, both Old Hammer and Middle Hammer have their own trading groups as well, which is they're just great. I mean, they're they're great to browse in, and they're awful for my wallet, but they're amazing. You can find a lot of cool stuff in there. 
And uh, as usual, I'm gonna make some uh, shout out for Mordheim. There's a Mordheim group called just Mordheim, and uh, well, it's it's basically everything Mordheim. Uh, and uh, then we have Mordheim Merchant Wagon, where you can trade and buy things more time. Yeah, yeah. Like Facebook is so great because you just you can just search for everything on this thing. But I know yeah. that there are a lot of people still using forums as well, uh, like OG forums. Like I was always on a forum back in the days when I was playing, but they're kind of they get kind of local. And then you have like your users and then you talk to each other, but it's kind of hard to find new players and that I think. I think Facebook is really great for it's just easily accessible for everyone. Yeah. And it's so, easy to, to post pictures. That's like also one of the biggest things about Facebook. You don't have to have like a web hosting thing to, to link your pictures. And then they start charging you money to be able to link your pictures. So Facebook is really just, it's just easy to use. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, also, if anyone out there have a Warmer Fantasy blog, please let us know. We would love to see it, and we would love to talk about it. Yeah. And speaking of which, we would also love to talk to you that uh, listen to this, because we want to know what you think of this. For, for one, we want to know what you think about the podcast, but we also want to know about your hobby and what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, post pictures on our Facebook uh, Send us page. messages, spam us, uh, visit our Instagram and, well, do things. Yeah, yeah, just follow our Instagram and we'll definitely follow you back if you're into fantasy. I noticed this, uh, yeah. like when we started the Instagram, uh, I kind of searched for just like hashtag warmer fantasy, stuff like that. It's kind of hard to like go through it all and then you go to this profile and then see, oh, yeah, they post like one fantasy thing, but they're mostly like into some other game. But now I think we're like, we're got like a following on Instagram. We had a bunch more followers than in the beginning. And then yeah, we I, started following <laughs> blogs back. I just checked and we actually have 115 followers. So at least. That's yeah, crazy. And uh, about 70 of them are probably bots, but that's the usual stats, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's still nice. We're trying to post updates at least a few times a week. We're yeah. aiming to do it more often, but sometimes it just, well, you need to have something to post as well, I think. Yeah. Expect another report from me. Maybe some more detail next time. Awesome. There might also be a rat yeah. tiger coming up sometime Ooh, in the middle nice. of this week. And uh, like if, if you're thinking like, oh, shit, Instagram, like, do I really need to get this thing? Like, I have Facebook. Do I really need another thing? Like, Instagram is all pictures. It's very simple. And it's just pictures of stuff that you like. You, just, you only get stuff that you follow in your feed. And, you, like, if you only follow great hobby stuff, then that's the only thing you're going to get. Yeah. And ads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sometimes ads, but mostly hobby stuff. And... Uh... Just uh, if you are only on Facebook and not on Instagram, we do dual post everything we post on Instagram on our Facebook feed. Yes. So speaking of uh, someone that's uh, not really into Instagram, how about doing a shout out <laughs> to your colleague, Niklas? Yeah, so as you, some of you might know, I'm also doing a Horace Thursday podcast with a friend of mine called Morten. 
Hello, Morten. Shining out to you. Miss you. We got to do another Hurt Series episode like this week. Uh, it's his birthday today. Uh, so happy birthday. Gratis. Stolat. I don't know any more language. Happy sport day. What is that? Happy sport day. The day we're spored like orcs. Happy sport day. <laughs> <laughs> Happy sport day, Morten. Or in Skaven, happy spawn day. So I hope I hope this is the fifth episode that you're listening to Morten. That you're getting really hyped for fantasy, and we have this grand scheme of making you play Dogs of War because it would be perfect for Tilia and Estalia and all those yeah. southern mercenary you, assholes. You know that they are not only regimental renown, right? Know that they also got a list of their own, right? <laughs> yeah, I barely knew this. Like, you can get pretty much any guys you want and team them around, like a mercenary army, you get crazy teams going. These hard end, like Giovanni Mozzarelli, Christofi, Tilian mercenaries. Or you might have a mercenary company that operates in the Border Princess or one of those that operates within the Empire. Just pick your flavor, basically. Yes. Yeah, there's countless of models to use if you don't want to use the old classic lovely pewter models. <laughs> yeah, and even like say, even if you want to use the old pewter models, you can go even further back. Like, that's what I love about the old armor trading group as well. You can find models that you've barely ever seen like oh but yeah these are actually fantasy models and used them yeah. for newer stuff like i did with my chaos dwarfs i just went on and found this like really really old chaos dwarf character that just fits perfectly with the new range because he still looks freaking menacing and it's the size of a nurgling well let's not get onto that <laughs> yes never called let's dwarf get Lord. onto that uh so yeah just can create whatever you want with the Dogs of War army, pretty much. Uh, other shout-outs? Yeah, I just want to shout-out, uh, like, if you like reading battle reports or watching battle reports, uh, Mini War Gaming does a lot of battle reports for fantasy still. They have well, a lot they of... have them still. I think they are going to refocus. I say that on the Facebook page, at least. Yeah, well, I don't know. They were, well, they, they were at least rebasing their fantasy armies to round bases. But... Well, they do have 8th edition uh, battle reports, and they also have 6th edition battle reports. Which I really and uh, they even have a Warhammer skirmish battle report. Indeed. Isn't that Guerrilla War Gaming? I... Th- I don't think so. I'm going to check it out. That's the only one I found. Maybe they do, because me and Wargame have a lot of battle reports. I watched some of their other battle reports uh, for other games. I was not super keen about them, but their fantasy battle reports I really enjoyed, actually. And also, I just like watching fantasy battle reports. Is, is, I like it more than watching other games, because it's like orderly. Looks nice. You can really follow along easily what's going on. It's a really good system for battle reports. Nicholas, you were right. It was 
guerrilla miniature games that made the skirmish battle report. Yeah, I've been scouring the the YouTubes how, for battle reports. How about we link some of these in uh, on our Facebook page and talk about what we're going to do for the next episode? Yeah. So you got like a pre-taste of our next episode. Uh, we're going to talk about Armalis, and this is what I talked about in our bonus episode because people couldn't record that, and so we just recorded my section, but then we just put it out in the meantime while doing this episode, pretty much. Yeah, we, as we said, we had part of the podcast been on vacation, part of the podcast has been suffering plague, and part of the podcast don't really know how to use internet. Yeah. Let's not go into that. For our next episode, <laughs> we're going to continue with that army list team because it's going to be somewhat of an expansion of this episode where we go into the army lists, how you construct an army list for 6th edition. And we're going to give some sample army lists that we have been working on, including our thoughts when we uh, talked about them, just as we did with Nicholas. Uh, just talk about a bit about the theme and what we what the feel of the army that we wanted. Yeah, I was gonna like say a comment about that, but we're gonna talk all about it in the next episode. So it would be a shame to start spoiling it now. Yeah. So just gonna say say this. See you in the next episode and take care for now. Stay square. Bye bye. Time may have ended. And the realm of elves, dwarf and man shattered. But in our hearts, the old world lives.